everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Who Meditated. And, and see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing how Kate should be a, yeah. a, a songwriter because she wrote a really catchy jingle about HPV. I did. I said, only the best for me. That's how I got HPV. Those commercials for the HPV show. Yeah. Only the best for me. That's how I avoid HPV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, Thanks for listening to that little jingle. Also, thank you for your patience. We're back. We're back and better than ever. I know. It's been crazy. I, like, went on a cruise, and then I had a work trip, and Kate's been in, like, I think you were sick in there or somewhere. Well, I went to Florida. I'm not sick all the time. (laughs) I'm like, I went on these trips, and Kate was sick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually. Yeah, you went to Florida. I forgot about that. I went to Florida on vacation. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a blast. Jody caught some paranormal stuff on her. Yeah, on her phone. Yeah, we went on this ghost tour of St. Augustine. I forgot you did that. Yeah. And it was creepy, creeptastic. Yeah, it was. Uh, which you never did you know. Feel like, those did you feel the vibes? Uh, not really. Really? Yeah. Surprising. I was, it's kind of hard when there's like a whole group of people sure. and like you're going around. Well, first of all, we got ghosted by our ghost tour. Um, that is. They just never ironic. showed up. That is. <laughs> we were at the allotted point and at the spot. They're like, we don't want those two. That no, they said on their no. website. And here's. Here's Barb and me, and we're sitting there with our ice cream cones, like waiting, <laughs> waiting for them to show we're up. Like, oh no, been... we don't want them. And we, we just walked past. We were like you. asking people as they passed, like, "Are, are you? you the... Are you? Are you? Are you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. No. Oh, yeah. Great. So this yeah. uh, this tour guide, she was so nice. She just told us we could tag along with her group, and that was really sweet. Yeah, she was really cool. She like we did get ghosts. We did. We got ghosted by our ghost. That is hilarious. But it, yeah, it was a ton of fun, and we laid out like a couple of Minnesota turkeys in the sun, and it was crazy busy at work. Yeah, and there was something else in between there. Just life. I forget. Yeah, we forget. But it was like we kept being like this week, and I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna be on or this week, and then like. Maybe I got sick in there. I don't know. I know one of the weeks I I was like, no, I'm I'm I think I said I'm pulling a Kate. Yeah, I'm backing out. <laughs> I, I said it to you though, so you did. Like fun of you. It's like, <laughs> I said it to your face, so it's okay. You were shitty to my face. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know that's it's our like relationship. Honesty. Yeah, honesty factor. Just, it's called transparency. Yeah. <laughs> Just telling you like it is. <laughs> Transparency. Mm. That's how I got HPV. <laughs> Man, you got a lot of HPV. I did. <laughs> you just made me pee myself. Oh, God. I don't know if you could have a... Is there an amount that you could have? Like, like more times than one? Can you get more I, no, I don't know. I know. I think you get it once and it's there forever. Really? Like, okay. I, I should yeah. know more. But I did get those shots a while back. Well, they didn't have them. I know they didn't have when them. When I was back in my day. When I was the village bicycle. I know, I yeah. <laughs> Still are, Kate. Still oh, are. <laughs> Sorry, Keith. <laughs> yeah, we're punchy. Uh, it's just clearly it's been a while, but yeah, um, but yeah. So sorry for the break. We're we're doing our best. We didn't make any promises. We did say we'd try it. We did, day, and we have been trying. I promise. Yeah. It's just been crazy. But um, I've had this one prepared for a while. Oh, I think oh. since yeah, since the week that you went to Florida. So that mm-hmm. was like May. That was beginning Mid- of May. Yeah, beginning of May. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we've been up to. It's been busy and crazy, but things have been good. So now we're starting to settle down. Well, we're settling down. It's getting into the middle of summer and we're enjoying the weather today. Today like, we're socked in smoke yeah. because of the Canadian fire. Oh, yeah, one of the one of the neighbor kids was riding by on his scooter today and, and he was like, Why is it so smoky out? I'm like, Oh, it's because the Canadian wildfires and the the smoke is coming down here he's like why can't they just keep the smoke up in canada yeah he's eight so I'm my like, thoughts oh, exactly fair. fair my thoughts exactly fair fair question you does that old. smoke have its papers <laughs> you do not cross that border no do you have an enhanced driver's license <laughs> i don't think so you can't. but it is it's even the smoke is more polite i know yeah it's not aggressive it's just like <laughs> oh excuse me oh tap, tap, tap. just a little tickle just in a the little, throat it's yeah. not like i'm hacking i just have a little tickle oh Oh, sorry. I'm just going to black out the sun for a little bit. And then it'll be fine. You'll be good. It'll, it'll be, be great. Fine. I'll be gone by tonight. I'll be gone by tonight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the Canadian smoke. Where's our smoke is like, where? 
had smoke that was drifting over there, it would be bad. Yeah, it would. You don't want American smoke. It's just, just telling like, you. He takes the shape yeah. of the middle finger. Oh, yeah. Fuck you, Canada. Like, giant middle finger. Yeah. Of smoke. Oh, man. Well, should we get started here? Let's do it. All right. Today, I am excited because I did decide to cover a state that we haven't done yet. I'm Ooh. doing Maine. So pretty excited about that. I specifically looked for states that we hadn't done. I came down here and was like, huh. My friend Tanya and I really want to buy a house in Maine. Okay. Move our significant others in with us and they can do all like the hard labor. Yeah. We will get, we will have a wraparound porch and we'll live by the ocean and we'll wrap cardigans around um, ourselves and go, we needed this whenever it rains and drink tea. And then, like, look out wistfully at the sea, like, yeah. we're waiting for our husbands to come home. <laughs> and really, they're just scrubbing the yeah, floor yeah. in the kitchen. And you're like, Mrs. Spot. <laughs> oh, we needed this. We needed this. <laughs> it's been a dry year. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Maine. We yeah. needed this Maine. Oh. Uh, all right. So, I'm going to start. I'm going to do things a little bit backwards from what I normally do. And we're going to start in 1982. It was Saturday. Year after 16th. I was born. Yep. So you were one year old at this point. I okay. Um, Saturday, October 16th, 1982, a woman named Geraldine Tibbetts Towers had stopped to have a drink at the Gateway Lounge in Newport, Maine. So Geraldine was 34 years old and she had spent the evening with her family bowling. Like adorable. It's like a cute little family out. And that's also the activity that divorced dads take their kids to do when there's nothing else to do in town. Honestly, you're 100% right. Speaking of dads, her dad dropped her off on his way home um, and he knew that she'd call for a ride when she needed it. So she she was like everything was super close. And he's like, I'll drop you off the bar. Call me if you need a ride. Um, She lived less than five minutes from the Gateway Lounge and house that was next to her parents. And she was a single mother. So she she got out when she could. You never do. No, (laughs) I know. <laughs> I am going to Taylor Swift next Friday with my sister. Shut up! Yeah, so I'm, I'm going out secretly. Lo- of course, you know this because yeah. I sent the text message. I'm like, guys, I don't care who disagrees with me, but I am going to admit my secret shame, which is I listen to Taylor Swift. Oh, fuck, I love Taylor. Swift. She has the best. Like, no, what you said. The, I have like a Facebook status from like ten years ago where I was like, is it just me or is there a Taylor Swift song that goes with, with every, every single si- phase of life or everything yes. that you go through? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Wanted to see Taylor Swift, so my jealous. sister. I know my brother-in-law got tickets. Is everyone knows like it was such a fucking cluster to get tickets, and he man, he's just like the most patient guy in the world. Just like refresh, refresh. Is this Daniel? Yeah, Daniel got him. Oh my god! And then my sister, so my other, my little sister got tickets. Her friend got tickets, and is take like her and her best friend are going um, together. And my older sister, because next week is Pride here, and my older sister's like messaged maddie and i and was like hey guys like we should go to this this taylor swift pride after party and it starts at like midnight and and i are like i was like nikki uh i'm an old lady and i will barely make it through taylor swift dude i i mean i realized that nikki's trying to have her like yeah she's like well she's like second life but i don't ever get out you know we don't ever get out i thought this would be fun i'm like i will be sleeping at that party yeah but you you don't need to get out all of your not getting out yeah, right. in one, one night. night. Right. I'm like, like, no. That never ends well. Yeah. No. That, no that's no. like that time we went to Frenchman's Pub. Exactly. Just us girls. Yeah. It and Alanis Morissette came on. It wasn't good. And we did yeah. tequila shots. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely barfed on And I woke up later. in the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Not not my best moment. Not great. No. Uh, and then Maddie was like, yeah, Kate, same vibe as Katie. I was like, Nikki, who do you think you're like, no, no. I'm going to a party that starts at midnight. Did you think that? Did she think that both of you were going to be like, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no. I definitely like, if I don't want to do it like two weeks before, I sure as hell am yeah. not going to want to do it the day. No. I, I don't even know where we get where. But uh, oh, yeah, you're saying I don't go out because I'm a single mom. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to Taylor Swift. Yay. Yeah. So the next morning, her mother woke up and found that Geraldine hadn't come home. So it sounds like I said Geraldine lived next to her parents. It sounds like she lived in like a carriage house. Or like, yeah, like a mother-in-law like a, house. Yeah, like, like a like small that. house. It was like right next door. So they'd be able to like um, kind of like they would go back and forth and they could see each other pretty frequently. So um, her mom called Geraldine's brother, Vance, and was like panicking. She was like, Geraldine didn't come home last night. She, you know, she always comes home. She didn't call. And, you know, something's something's wrong, I can tell. 
So Geraldine, I guess, was known to take a day or sometimes weekend long trips, but she always told her family if she was going to leave, you know, and th- that she'd be back. She was a single mother. She wasn't just going to leave right. her kid. Right. And Can so- I just break in I yeah. and tell you that I think it would be amazing if a- <laughs> we hate you. Get out of here, you monster. You fucking got me. <laughs> what? You need to get your house in order. Katie's fucking boyfriend just jumped down in the window well and fucking. God damn it. Kate definitely peed to that. I, I, I the mean, sofa, the sofa's wet. I have heart palpitations. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot what I was even. Oh, I wish I had that. Like, <laughs> he's like furniture. Yeah, I don't know. He just jumps to me. Yeah, he got down here very quickly. I oh, oh god, I feel sick. That was scary. Yeah, that was scary. That was scary. I'm glad it's a light out because if yeah. it was dark, it would have been way scarier. I would have thrown something yeah. that shattered the window, <laughs> or just passed out. Like, Haha, I'm hilarious. Yeah, you're real funny. Yeah, real funny. You almost killed us. Yeah, we both had heart attacks. We're too old for this. Two women in a basement by themselves <laughs> talking about murder, and you decide that it'd be a great idea to jump in the window. Well, yeah, he just really wants to be a guest on the show. <laughs> Seriously, can you imagine if a guy named Vance had uh, sold used vans and pants? Have you you've had a dream about Vance vans and pants? Yeah, Vance pants. Yeah. So maybe there's somebody out there that does that. And if not, that's real opportunity for you, Vance. I you I mean you. anyone know anyone named Vance, tell them they I have a great business uh, idea. So, Selling pants out of their vans. Uh, so Geraldine's father remembered that the night before he heard a car coming into the driveway around 1 a.m. and he assumed it was somebody dropping Geraldine off, but obviously that that wasn't the case. So Geraldine's mom went to the police and shockingly, I mean, I'm guessing you know where this went. The police said not to worry. She'll probably be home. She's a, a grown woman. She's probably She's passed out at someone's house. She left. Obviously, she ran away. She's a single mom. She's trying to get away from her uh, troubles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Same old crap that they always say. So uh, she didn't come home. And so at that point, the police, like, you know, started getting involved, started asking questions. And they started with the Gateway Lounge, which is the last place that she had been, you know, where her dad dropped her off there to have a drink. That's where she was known to be. And they questioned the bartender who was working the night of the 16th. Her name was Judy. She said that she remembered Geraldine well and that she was not alone. She said there was a man that was with her all night, buying her drinks, flirting with her, making her feel like a, a sort of way. Oh, and so she was sure. She sort was of sure. Way. Yeah. She <laughs> said that they seemed like they were having a good time and that around one in the morning they left together and she knows that they left together, but she didn't think that Geraldine had gotten in the car with him. She was like, I saw them leave together, but I'm pretty sure that I saw them leave like separately. So left out the door together, but yeah. then left separately. Yeah. But um, the bartender was like, I don't know who the man was, you know, unfortunately. So a week later, though, so like a week after they they interviewed her, probably 10 days or so after this all happened, after Geraldine was went missing, the same man. 10 days? 10 days later, the same man came into the bar. And Judy being just like a badass was like i'm gonna talk to this guy I'm like yeah. figure out the details about him maybe he can make me feel a sort of way <laughs> <laughs> he did he had a way with Geraldine. Yeah. So. <laughs> no. um so the man's name was james or jimmy hicks now this bartender like starts asking him questions not just like who are you or like what's what's going on where were you on june yeah, 9th she was yeah. she was like oh. okay so i remember seeing you the night that that woman went missing together with her like tell me wh- where were you or like what was going on and he's like well yeah i was at the bar that night but nothing more than that like i left alone i didn't leave with her like he's gonna confess to her yeah but like, she kept like pushing him that, i, I mean, mean isn't that crazy yeah good put, for her put the pressure on him yeah like least. rather than like call the cops she's like oh no he's here i'm gonna do this now yeah. so over the next week though judy started getting creepy phone calls at the bar so she's like someone would call and just like breathe heavily into the phone or like call and hang up and then finally like several days later a call came and and the person on the other line told judy that she should keep her mouth shut and that they knew where she lived <gasps> so they're like judy, did they say it like this keep her mouth shut i know where you live <laughs> That's an actual recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do your voice when yeah. you go, you better keep your mouth shut. 
know where yeah, you keep live. your mouth shut. I know where you live. <laughs> That is one of my favorite voices that I do. That is a good voice. voice. It's like a Uh, it's like a nineteen forties baseball announcer. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. So um obviously Judy called the police and, and told them all this information. And so after after speaking with Judy, they're like, okay, maybe we need to look into this Jimmy Hicks. So James or Jimmy Hicks was born in 1951 in Etna, Maine. Like, you know, I love background info. Like, oh, I love fuck, information yeah. about, like, a childhood of, yeah. of like, a murderer or yeah. whatever. Because it, like, tells a story. What, make, what makes them, what or at least, like, give an indication yeah. of how they could. Because I, like I've said before, truly believe that most, yeah. not all, most children that most people that turn into these monsters are not born no. that they're not born that no. way. No, either they have like a traumatic brain injury or they have like some psychological thing that happens during their early or adolescence. Trauma, like, trauma. like yeah, all that stuff. Like yeah, yeah something yeah. happens. Yeah, right? well, you know, Satan, Satan, <laughs> Satan gets hold of them. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, the but all that to be all that to say that I could not find like hardly anything on this guy. Really? He was born in 1951 in Etna, Maine. He was brought up in a pretty poor family to like a single mom. Essentially, his dad left when he was really young. And the one thing that I could find like creepy background for him that was like an indicator is he was known to be cruel to animals. I'm like, how do we know that about him? But like literally nothing else. So I couldn't find I and you know, like I dove into like newspaper articles and all that shit and i couldn't find a whole lot so that's really all i know about his background but at the time that gerilyn went missing jimmy was living in carmel maine with his girlfriend linda marquis police got to his house and questioned him and and as they were questioning him he started acting really fucking weird like just odd and erratic and like bizarre he like took a glass of water and poured it over his head and was like babbling um making comments about like police are are trying to frame me and just acting crazy and then he brings it he says i think you're trying to frame me for my wife's murder and they're like what what like we're here to talk about gerilyn what the fuck are you talking about well we weren't going to yeah they were like but now we are not yeah so so they like they they were like his wife like his and and it was like my first wife you're here about my first wife or something like that and so of course that comment struck them as odd and suspicious when they were there like to talk to him about Gerilyn. So they're like, we need to ask you about this first wife. Like, what do you, who is this person? So yeah, at that point, the police kind of switched gears and were like, tell us about your first wife. <laughs> and at that point, his his girlfriend, Linda, stopped the questioning and told the police to leave. After that, like based on his his like weird behavior and everything, police were like, that guy's our suspect. Like he's our main suspect <laughs> yeah. for Gerilyn's disappearance. But now... They're also like, we need to investigate his first wife. Like, who was his first wife? What What's the deal there? That's some Drew Peterson bullshit. Yeah, right. right. So it's just like, yeah, they were like, we need to look into this first wife. So, you know, simultaneously, as they're kind of trying to investigate Gerilyn's murder, they also um, start looking into Jeremy's first wife. And they knew, and I, I don't know how they knew this, if it was like based on what like uh, Jimmy had like said himself, but they knew that her name was Jenny Sear. C-Y-R. So I think that's oh, Sear. Yeah, yeah. And that is like, that is all that they knew. They're like, he was married to somebody named Jenny Sear. Um, so they literally like opened up a phone book and like started going through the CYRs, like going through to see like, yeah, who, who might this who's this Jenny person? Well, that's the only option they had. Yeah, 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 right. So they start calling all of these, all the people with that last name to see if they could find Jenny's family. So they're literally like calling and being like, Hi, do you know a Jenny Sear or like somebody who's disappeared named Jenny Sear? And finally, they got someone on the phone with that last name and asked if they were related to her. And the person on the other end, like, started to bawl. And so they're like, okay, we, something, we've struck a chord. So, you know, they spoke with this, this person and found out that Jenny was just 16 years old when she became pregnant with Jimmy's child. And she dropped out of school and married Jimmy. So they had, like, a really tumultuous they met when they were young. They Not a Jimmy good start. Was, yeah, Jimmy was older than her. She was only 16. And, um, and, and they ended up getting married and her family was just outraged. They tried to convince Jenny to go to a special school for girls who are pregnant and like either, you know, like cider house rules. Exactly. Either terminate the pregnancy or like have the baby, give the baby up for adoption and come back and pretend like it didn't happen. Just so fucked up. So Jenny refused to either, you know, terminate the pregnancy or give the baby up. And a 
eventually her family was like forced to come to terms with her decision. And of course, like the marriage was terrible. Jimmy was unfaithful. They had financial troubles and were constantly fighting back and forth. In 1974, they actually did, they filed for divorce, but Jenny found out she was pregnant again. God and they were do it. it. July 19th, 1977, Jimmy called the police to report that his wife was missing. And he said, my wife left with a truck driver. And and that was always like all a truck he, driver. Yeah, that was all he really had. And Jenny's family's like, fuck no. They're like, he, she would have probably left your ass, but not the kids. Like, no. they have two kids together. She would have just gone to her family. She yeah. had a support system. Right. They're like, she just wouldn't have left. And so Jenny's family put out, you know, missing posters. They tried to file an official missing persons report, but the police believed Jimmy and didn't actually ever file the report. So, like, this, God, main police departments, like, you guys suck. Especially yeah. in the 70s. Like, yeah, 70s. In the 70s. Like, really, anytime before. I mean, even now, it's hard to get police officers to fully believe you a lot of the time, right? Like, and so, yeah, they never filed the reports. But Jenny's family believed fully that Jimmy was involved in her disappearance or killing her or getting rid of her somehow. They should have filed that police report. They should have looked into him. At least look into him. I mean, it. you should always file a report. Like, if yeah. somebody comes to you and says they're missing, whether or not you want to put the work into it, file the report. What drives me nuts is... When I watch these crime shows where they're like, well, did you guys take anything from the house? Like, did you take samples of this or did you test this? And they're like, oh, no, we just took a few pictures. And and then we uh, if that. released the crime scene. Yeah. So and then like, like 10 cool. million people go through right. there. And, just and that, evidence is, that evidence is lost forever. Right. Why wouldn't you always just go overboard yeah. on collecting evidence, taking pictures, taking videos? I think it just comes like, down to resources. And, like, I just, and they're like, yeah. I mean, weighing the investment against the Gain. like it's it's what if she did run away and right. then they just wasted all that time sure i don't so, have any answers katie i had tell me what you know <laughs> so despite it being eight years later uh police start to investigate her disappearance so the first thing that they do because they literally had not investigated at all because she was not a missing yeah. person yeah so the first thing they do is they start knocking on doors at the trailer park where uh jimmy and jenny had lived when she disappeared they found a neighbor who was too scared of jimmy to come forward when she lived next door to her and she said that the only other time police had approached her to discuss any knowledge she had jimmy was standing with her and so she was too scared to say anything and she was like they'll oh, obviously yeah. come back and they just they never did <laughs> So she said that the day Jenny went missing, she heard Jenny and Jimmy fighting. She heard loud noises and then it was quiet. She said later that day, she also heard power tools in the backyard. And she said, you know, at that time, there was a girl named Susan Matley who had been living with them and she was a babysitter for their kids. And she was like, if anyone knows something, she knows something. So at the time uh, of Jenny's disappearance, Susan Matley did live with them. She was a 15 year old girl and she was their foster child. Uh, yeah. he was pro- oh, So she came to live with Jimmy and Jenny and there was an agreement that was made to have her live with them and act as their nanny for the two kids. So like, yicky, yikes. I mean, but I'm guessing it was some sort of like, hey, we'll pat your back if you pat ours, you know, situation. I don't know how that happened. Like, I hope to God that that's not something that will happen today. But I'm guessing like for a 15 year old, it's like hard to imagine them getting adopted. Or- and so they're probably just like the foster agency or whatever, like CPS is probably like whatever we can do to get her out of or our you, hands. Yeah. So Susan said that she was so scared of, of Jimmy that that's the reason she hadn't come forward or, or said anything that she knew before this, but she was terrified of him. She described like a similar scene to what the neighbor had described. She said two days before Jenny disappeared, Susan was like in the kitchen cooking and that Jimmy came up behind her and grabbed her and was trying to rape her. Oh. There it is. And she fought him back. He burned her with his cigarette. Oh my and she God. still had the scar to show it. Oh. Um, and obviously she was terrified for the situation. Now, the next morning, the morning of July 18th, Susan told Jenny about the attempted rape. And Jenny said, like, I'm leaving him. This is this is yeah. disgusting. Yeah. I won't put up with this. She told uh, Susan that she was going to, to leave him. So she asked Susan to go out for the evening so that she could talk to her husband that night. That's the most dangerous time for abused women. Right. It's when they're leaving. Right. Yeah. And and so she told, she's like, look, stay out. This is like, truly, this part is fucking creeptastic. So that night, Susan got home and Jimmy was sitting quietly watching TV, but the static was on. He was just like watching static on TV. Oh, shit. And next to him, Jenny was sitting 
Her eyes were closed. Her body was dangling off the couch. Her hair was disheveled and covering her face. And her arms were in a weird, bent, unnatural position. Like YMCA unnatural? Like <laughs> 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 you're doing the robot. <laughs> <laughs> talking the about. sprinkler. I, I just, I, what I do you think for the shopping cart situation? Yeah. But uh, obviously Susan was like, "What? what's going on with Jenny? Yeah. And Jimmy's like, she's sleeping. Just go to bed. And Susan's like, she's not fucking sleeping. Yeah. Like, I'm, she's dead. Yeah. She's like, that is not you a can sleeping t- woman. Yes. Yeah. And that night, Susan heard what sounded like slippers scuffing and dragging across the floor, oh. the door to the trailer opening and closing. And the next day, Jenny was gone. Her kids were obviously still in the house. She left her purse with everything in it. And apparently, like, Susan made a big deal of, like, she left her glasses, which she never went anywhere without them because she had terrible eyesight. So she's like, she wouldn't leave her kids. She wouldn't leave her purse. And she couldn't see without her glasses. So she would yeah. not leave the house without them. Like, that's a necessity. Yeah. So she's like, she didn't leave like if you find my glasses then something happened like i would but the thing is we all have like 800 pairs now so i'll never i i literally have like six pairs within reach of me right now i have like a whole box full of zenny god damn it we're screwed uh so jimmy told susan that jenny took off with her lover and susan was like yeah i don't believe that but again she was terrified of him he tried to rape her she's now like he killed his wife she knows that but she was just terrified so so based on the information of the neighbor and susan police arrested jimmy for the disappearance of jenny on october 5th 1983 and remember all this came about because they were looking for gerilyn so gerilyn's been kind of put on the back burner but jimmy totally was the catalyst to all this because he's the one that was like i didn't kill my first wife right and yeah and so like gerilyn's been put on the back burner but meanwhile they're like well we're figuring out that you know his poor jenny's so they don't have someone else investigating this Geraldine thing. At the I think same they're time. probably doing it. This yeah, because I was going to say time is of the essence. Yeah, when, yeah. When you have someone go missing. Yeah. yeah. So um, they arrested him uh, on October fifth, nineteen eighty three. There was no body, obviously, no real physical evidence because it had been eight years. Other than like truly Susan and the neighbor, they yeah. didn't have any evidence. It was all circumstantial. So the state not only had to prove that Jenny was dead, like that was like they had to prove that she was dead, but also that Jimmy caused her death. Because, like, there was nothing to... She could have been alive. Like, there's... Like, they didn't have a body. They didn't have... Other than, like, these two people saying that she was dead. So, So did Susan have to testify? Yeah. So, Susan had to testify. And the neighbor testified. And this was actually the first murder case to go to trial without a body in the the state of Maine. So, I felt like in a ton of newspapers, this case is cited. Because, like, it doesn't happen. Like, people don't get tried unless there's, like, some physical evidence. I think it's pretty rare in all states. But especially in Maine. So the defense argued that Jenny was alive still and had simply abandoned her family. And, you know, Jimmy was a family man. He had two kids with Jenny. He currently, like with his current girlfriend, Linda, he has two kids with his current girlfriend and he's taking care of Linda's previous two kids. He's just a family man. Like this is all a misunderstanding. Okay. Just the fact that you can reproduce with someone doesn't mean that you're a family man. Right. Like having multiple kids does not make you a a dad or a father or a family man. It makes you a sperm Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the jury disagreed with with the defense's assessment of, of oh, Jimmy good. and found him guilty of quote acting with reckless intent in causing his wife's death and convicted him of manslaughter. So the maximum sentence was ten years with the opportunity and or the the possibility of parole. And and he was yeah he was sentenced to that. So Jimmy didn't show of course any emotion during the trial. He just said I'm not guilty and someday it'll be proven and I'll accept what the court gives me. So. The court gave him, you know, the, the dude, if I'm wrongly convicted of something, there's no way in fucking hell that I'm going to be accepting. Right. Whatever the court gives me. No, no, I'm exactly. I am going to, I'm going to get like, messy. Right. I'm going to make a scene. Things are going to get real. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, you know, 1983 was when he was uh, convicted was when he was convicted. And in 1990, after serving just seven years in prison, he was released on good behavior. So during this time, like, again, they have been investigating Geraldine's disappearance. We really haven't come up with much. It was, like, really other than, like, he hasn't admitted to anything. There's no evidence. They haven't found any evidence. Well, if, They've if been looking for her. successfully got rid of his first right. wife. Exactly. You know, it's not going to be, he's going to do the same thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so he's released from prison 1990. And he moves back to his hometown of Edna, Maine. There he got a job at the Twin City Motor Inn as a maintenance worker. 
And people in the area knew of him, obviously, for the most part, because of what happened and what he what he had done. And also, so, what right do they have to call it Twin City? I know. I felt the same way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Edna and what? Edna and, and what? And what? And what? what? Twin. Banger. Yeah, I don't like it. No. I don't like it. I don't like it. We own the Twin City. Twin Cities, TM, Minnesota. Yeah. Honestly, I, repulsive, I feel despic- sick. Despicable. It's quite, it's quite upsetting. <laughs> it makes me feel a sort of way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. murder, this whole story, okay, we can deal with that. But Twin City Motor Law? No. no. That is where I put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know that's how you feel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're oh. weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the people, like I said, most people in the area knew of him and like, we're like, we're staying away from this fucking weirdo. Yeah. However, a woman named Lynn Willette had no idea who he was or what his past looked like. And in 1994, she was hired by Jimmy to work as a maintenance worker at the Twin City Motor Inn. Which again, again, I don't, I don't, you don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I like it. Just call it the Motor Inn from now on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting rid of the twins. It's just doing the motor in. Take that. <laughs> so uh, Lynn and Jimmy began to date. And Lynn was known for being like a super independent woman and was a jack of all trades. She could fix a sink. She was a really good artist. And she was a machinist in the army. So she was just like super handy, independent. She was just like known for just like not taking was, shit. Was this was this sneaky creep like especially attractive or something? I, he, you know, I will like I've seen he's not like bad looking. <laughs> like I wouldn't be like, yuck, he's fugly. It's not like I mean the if I was the victim of a home invasion and he was the invader, <laughs> I wouldn't kick him out of the bed for eating crackers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, like, he's like a normal, yeah. Like, normal guy i don't think he's he's not like overly attractive but he's not like ugly and as long as he doesn't dump a full glass of water on his head while you're out (laughs) things are okay things are okay lynn had been married and divorced twice but always on good terms and she just like she honestly just needed a partner who would let her be her own person and do her own thing and like march the beat her own drum after a couple of dates like after just a couple of dates jimmy told lynn that he was being kicked out of his trailer and he just like he needed a place to live Red flag. Yeah, and she was like, uh, I don't really want to do you yeah. full time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want this to be a full time thing, but yeah. <laughs> but she was she's a nice gal and she she's told him that he could live with her. So he moved in. It was literally like just after a couple dates. So in the spring of 1996, so during this whole time, police in the area they know about Jimmy. They consider him the prime suspect in Geraldine's disappearance. They kind of pop in every so often. To yeah, like, I was gonna say, are they keeping an eye yeah, on? Yeah, to keep an yeah. eye on him to be like, hey, you know, yeah, we're watching you. We're watching you. Just to qu- ask him any questions, just to make sure that yeah. he knows that they're like they haven't forgotten about yeah. it. Yeah. So in the spring of 1996, police bring him into the station to ask him questions about Geraldine. Now, at that time, Lynn was with him, and it became clear to police officers that she had no idea who he was, what he had done, what he had gone to prison for, what he was suspected of. This man is living in her home. Yeah. Yep. And so they tried to, like, subtly tell her, like, subtly tell her that he was a murderer and was being questioned regarding a missing woman. They're like, um, like, like hey, can I talk to you out in the hall? Yeah. Um, oh, just gotta. I I know you're not gonna like <laughs> to hear this, but <laughs> you could die. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's murder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It kills people. Yeah. Run. Your choice. Yeah. But <laughs> the ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. In your court. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they tried to like, subtly tell her that like he he would murder somebody was being questioned regarding a missing woman and he was the last to see this missing woman so in general the relationship wasn't good lynn needed her space she needed to be able to open her wings and then fly and she felt smothered and so by may 18th 1996 she told jimmy that she was gonna leave yeah and also uh murder yeah also that whole thing yeah (laughs) i just feel kind of uneasy with him in my house (laughs) You don't know. Like, yes, you smother me, like, both mentally, but also potentially. Well, yeah, that night the pillow was over (laughs) my face. (laughs) Potentially physically. So we're going to avoid that. So she began moving things to her mom's house and told Jimmy, like, you nice nice person she's like you just you can stay here i'll oh, move out oh i'll move my thing she's de- she's probably desperate yeah and she just like she, i think she she just felt like you know she 
she wanted the best out of it. You know, yeah. she, she couldn't, I'm sure, imagine that the person that she'd been living with for a couple of years was someone that had killed people or would could kill her. So he actually came to Lynn's mom's house like every day the following week oh. as she was moving out and, and would not leave Lynn alone. He was just like, please come, you know, please come back. And like, I'm sorry, let's make this work. And she was like, no, we're done. Like just kind of staged. Yeah. For Klinger. Exactly. So on May 25th, so it was like, you know, a few days after she had probably about a week after she had started moving things out and and told Jimmy that she wanted to break up, Lynn didn't arrive home after work. So, oh God, that was one thing. But then the next day she didn't show up at a Memorial Day barbecue picnic that her family had put on. And they're like, she wouldn't miss that. So by one o'clock that day, her family was like, we got to call the police and figure out what was going on. So they called the police. But after they called her, I guess, like, while they were on the phone, they found out that Jimmy had called the police to report her missing. Oh, so they were like, what? Like, and they didn't, he didn't call us? Like, So he called the police for Jenny. Yep. He gets off on this shit. Yeah. And so uh, the search for Lynn began. But again, like, no leads, no clues. And, like, the search went cold very quickly. Um, God damn it. And, you know, again, along the same time, still looking for Geraldine. The search starts up for Geraldine. Like it's like every year on the anniversary, the family starts back up again, putting up posters, getting things out there. So a couple years prior in 1992, uh, Geraldine's family actually had her declared legally dead because it had been so long and had been when she go missing. She went missing in, in 1984, uh, 82, two. Yeah, yeah, but at the same point in time, they were like, they didn't want to give up hope. So meanwhile, as you know, as the search for Geraldine continues, you know, at this point, it's like 14 years later, right? The search for Lynn continues, but is kind of, it's gone cold because they aren't finding anything. Jimmy starts dating an 18 year old named Brandy Mayo. Oh my God. <laughs> and shocking. She becomes pregnant <sighs> right away. Dude, this guy is yeah, he's viral. Like a fucking fertile myrtle. Yeah, Jesus like- Christ. So he's at this point, he has like the two kids with, he had two kids with, uh, Jenny. Jenny. He had two kids with Linda. Yeah. And then he had, um, he was taking care of Linda's two kids as well. So it was like two, four kids, two step kids. He has a, a, you know, so this is essentially like his fifth biological child, but like seventh child that he's. God, this sounds like my uncle Percy. He showed up to family reunions and we'd be like, whose kid's that? (laughs) Oh, another one? Oh, Percy's. So unfortunately, because they they were like I think living in squalor, like they weren't in like a, a healthy place, the child was taken away by child protective services from them. Yeah, and that makes sense. But once again, Brandy gets pregnant like shortly after. Girl, and they decide like we're gonna get away from the attention that Jimmy has. Like we get away from the target that's on his back. We're gonna move to Texas. Oh, because I'm sure that he made it sound like oh the police are out for me right. I- I, you know, my first wife took off on me and and then some girl that I just talked to one night disappeared. And then this, my girlfriend left me also. Yeah, for me. It's exactly right. And you think about how fucking stupid we were when we were 18. Right. Exactly. She's just like believes anything that he says. Yeah. He was, he was born in 51. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he was born in 51 and this is 96. So he's 40, 51, 61, 71, He's 45. 45. And she's 18. Fuck, that's gross. How did you get through law school? <laughs> I always count my fingers. <laughs> Don't give me shit. I will always count my fingers. It's <laughs> the easiest way. And to 45? Lawyers obviously don't need math, Kate. So uh, she got pregnant again, and they decide they're going to move to Texas. Like I said, they moved to Leveland, Texas, um, hoping to get away from all of the attention. Their second baby was also taken from their custody in, in Texas. Texas. And, you know, Brandy refused to believe he was a killer. And she fucking gets pregnant again. again? And they have a third child together. And this one they were able to keep. Just 
Gross. Um, so Brandy and Jimmy are living together in Texas. Jimmy's been working as a handyman for several years in Texas by the time April 2000 rolls around. He was known by his boss to be like a great worker. He, like his boss thought he was like an excellent handyman, really good at his job, didn't ever suspect him of being a fucking creep. And Jimmy had consistent work as, as a handyman for this woman named June Moss. She was 67 and she lives in this like beautiful house uh, in Texas. And he'd been working for her for about six months by April, 2000. So probably since like November or so of 1999. So on Saturday, April 8th, Jimmy got to June's house around 9am. It's going to do some painting and, and some flooring. Right. He left to pick up some stuff at the hardware store. And when he got back, he was drinking a beer. And he's just, like, drinking a beer, and he's just, like, you know, working, but drinking. And he's, like, June, do you mind if I if I keep drinking on the job? And, and like, I'll keep working, but do you mind if I drink on the job? And she's, like, actually, I do mind. She's, like, please don't drink while you're at my house. Dude. Yeah. Like, I'm paying you to work. I'm not paying you to drink. And I'd prefer if you did not drink. Yeah. So funny. June went back to sit in her den. Um, after telling Jimmy. After telling Jimmy, like, no, I'd, I'd prefer, prefer that if you, you didn't. wouldn't drink. So uh, she went back to sitting in her den, and Jimmy came in the room and had just, like, a strange look in his eyes. And he approached her until his his legs were literally, he was this he was close enough where he was, like, touching her. His legs were touching her knees as she sat in her chair. So it would be, like, you walking up and, like, standing right oh, here. Oh, so, like, what you do when you're coming <laughs> over. <laughs> peering through my window yeah and he got super close and then june noticed that he had a gun oh geez and jimmy just like started acting weird again bizarre and he was like i can't do this i can't do your house anymore it's taking too much time it's taking too long and she tried to stand up from the chair and jimmy shoved her back down she tried to get to the phone but he grabbed it and he pulled it from the wall which is seriously like such a nightmare oh and he oh. went to the doors of the house and started deadbolting them. Oh, so a nightmare. I would remember vacate my house at that point. I know. And she's 67. You know, like she's just like trying to live her best life, sit in her den, read a book. And he's like being a fucking drunk creep. So he's pacing around the room after he deadbolts up the house. And he says, I need your car to leave town and I need your money as well. And as he's pacing, he's like mumbling and just like kind of act again, like acting weird really and, and mumbling and, and acting erratic. He's mumbling about killing his wife. He's mumbling about not being able to see his kids. And then he decides he's going to force June to the bedroom. No. So thankfully, it's not where it goes. He left the room and, want, you know, he went and he got some beer. And then he grabbed a bag that had something in it, grabbed something out of his car that had, had something in it. He also then told June that he wanted her to write a note, which he wanted to appear as a suicide note. So he's like, he's, he's like, you, I want, you know, you need to make this sound like you're committing suicide. So he pulls the bottle out of the bag. So he, remember he went and he got a beer and then yeah, he also yeah. got a bag that had something in it. And it, there was a Coke bottle and it was filled with like dark liquid. And he said, it's cough syrup. He took a swig and then he gave it to her and he's like, drink it. And she was like, no, you know, she said no. And he forced her to drink it. He told her that she needed to drink as much as she could. And he just watched her as she drank it. So she drank about half of the bottle and then she started throwing up. So I wonder if he's not doing that because he wants them to fall asleep. Yeah, like if he wants to incapacitate So he her. doesn't get... So he's not a serial killer that gets the f that gets his his rocks off seeing the the sure. actual life leave their body like he like just, yeah he just wants him dead yeah he, he just kill it's them. just the they're actually. inconvenient they sure. didn't give him what he wanted or it sounds to me like he has some kind of switch yeah. like if he just changes personalities like right that. like something yeah. He left her. She, he was gone for a bit. She was like sitting there contemplating what she should do. And she heard the noise of wind chimes. So she had kept um, wind chimes on a specific door in the house because the door was a closet that had guns in it. And she wanted to be able to hear if there were like family members or kids that sure. were in the house that went into that closet that she sure. would alert her like, that's a, that's not a closet that people should be going into. I so love she, wind chimes. And I know. I'm like, you like told me I can't get another set of wind chimes <laughs> or I'm going to like be known as the neighborhood witch. The wind chime lady? Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I hear your wind chimes. I love them. <laughs> But she heard those wind chimes and she knew where he was in the house then. And so she made her move and, and ran out of the house and she ran to the neighbor's house. Oh, God, brave lady. I know. So she spent the night at the hospital because the amount of cough syrup, it was cough syrup. I was like, what? As I was reading this, I'm like, what was it? Was it like oil? No, it was mm -hmm. actual cough syrup. Yeah. Um, but she survived. 
So after all this, once again, Jimmy is arrested and he's charged with aggravated assault and robbery. Now, is if, this still, oh, this is in Texas. Yep, this is okay, in Texas. Okay. So if he was convicted because of his status as, as a felon, he faced between 15 and 99 years in prison with no chance of parole. So he was like, well, fuck, I like, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to the slammer and it's going to be for a long time. <laughs> Now, after being in jail in Texas for just a couple of weeks, he realized that jail in Texas sucked. Like, compared to where he had been in Maine, he was like, like, this place sucks. I need to get the fuck out of here. And he was like, what can I do to get from Texas to Maine? I think most prisons south of the Mason-Dixon are... No, not great. (laughs) I mean, I don't think prison in general is great, but I sure as hell would want to be, like, in a Mississippi... Leavenworth is a dream. It goes by so fast. The Stillwater Prison, what a great location. It's beautiful. Give me more time. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? sure? Parole? Are parole? you sure? Yeah. Are you sure it's my what time? What if I'm not ready to leave? Have been 20 years? Wow. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> so Jimmy is like, how the fuck do I get back up to Maine? And of course, he's like, well, what do what what bargaining chip do I have? And remember, they're still looking for everyone's bodies. They still are looking for Jenny. Uh, for uh Gerilyn. They're still looking for Jenny. They're looking for and Lynn. they're looking for, for Lynn. All of them are essentially missing. Although Jenny, they determined, you know, based on his conviction for her murder. Yeah, they pronounced they, her dead. Yeah, they pronounced, yeah. you know, but but these are all missing women, and he's like, huh. Huh. So he decides that he's going to offer up information if he can get back up to Maine. Uh so he started uh, like plotting how to get back up there. And he decided to call the authorities in Maine and tell them that he'd admit to the murders of, you know, Jenny, Gerilyn and Lynn and would take them to the bodies if they would drop the Texas charges and bring him back to Maine to serve his life sentence. So this is crazy. Jenny's family and, and one of either Gerilyn or Lynn's family, Uh they didn't say which one, but basically two of the families were like, fuck him, leave him in Texas. We don't need to know. We know that they're dead, but like, he wants to get back to Maine. Like, I don't want to give this douchebag what he wants. Leave him in Texas to rot. Yeah. So I was like, holy shit. Like, that snaps. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That, is, that is bold. That is, well, it's, and it's, it's a huge brave. sacrifice. And it's a huge sacrifice. A like, huge sacrifice. Like, truly, what they were doing was, like, sacrificing for their loved one. Yeah. They're like, this they is They were going to be manipulated. Yeah. And they were sacrificing for them, but, like, sacrificing their personal peace of mind. Yeah. Wow. I, I and that, that makes me think of Amber Dubois and Chelsea King in California. John Gardner wanted to make a deal. And he said after Chelsea, because Chelsea's body was found, she had been jogging and he kidnapped her and killed her. Anyway, so he actually said, please don't give me the death penalty for Chelsea King. I'll show you where Amber's body is. And Chelsea King's family was like, we have Chelsea. And it was like, I don't know how long it was. It was like within a week from the time she had disappeared to the time they found her. And they were like, we don't know how Amber's family has done it for, you know, three years or whatever. So just give them peace and we'll make the deal. Wow. It's just, you don't, I mean, in moments of crisis, like people either step up and do the right thing or, you know. Oh, they don't right so yeah God, that is really sad i don't know if i'd be able to do it yeah if if i didn't know where my loved one no. was i i don't know if I'd- i guess so like if you knew that they were dead like if he admits like you you know that they're dead like would you i i guess it's i don't know what i need i want i'd want their body i'd always be wondering like you like know somebody walking over it right now yeah where are they yeah are they at the bottom of you know a mine yeah or like it yeah yeah right so, uh, ultimately, despite the fact that a couple families were like, fuck that guy, leave him in Texas to rot, they did bring him back to Maine to confess and, and lead them to the body. So, on October 4th, 2000, Jimmy finally confessed to killing Lynn Willette in May of 1996. He said he'd suffocated her at the apartment that they used to share. And he said that once he, you know, once he returned to Maine, he'd show them where she, Geraldine, and Jenny were all buried. Uh, on October 10th, Jimmy led investigators to two sites. The first one was in Etna. You know, that's where he was born and raised. One of the Twin Cities. Yeah. <laughs> the Motor Lodge. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it, they. He went to Etna. That's where his family's farm used to be. And they located two bodies. 
Geraldine had been dismembered and buried, and Jenny was also dismembered and buried in, in different locations. Oh. Now, he also brought them to Forkstown Township, and after several days of digging there, they were able to find Lynn, uh, Lynn's body. And again, she'd been dismembered and put in some large buckets with cement. This is so fucked up. So he also gave further details about Jenny's murder. Um, remember, Jenny was his wife. Yeah, his first wife. So after telling him, you, you remember like the the babysitter saw. Yeah, Susan saw that she was, you know, her arms were bent at an unnatural yeah. angle. And, um, yeah. After telling him that she was leaving, he removed his belt and he strangled her. So like he strangled her that evening. That's so personal. Yeah. Like that. Oh. So he dismembered her and scattered her remains around, you know, Etna at that burial site. He kept her head inside of a plastic bag in a cooler and he filled that cooler with cement and he kept that cement filled cooler with her head in it at the trailer and carried it around with him. Oh, many, many members of the trailer park remember seeing him with that specific cooler. Oh, and even worse, he used the cooler as a seat at his dinner table where his kids ate. He's no conscience. No. So he literally like his children that he shared with Jenny, that Jenny birthed, were sitting on a cooler with with her head in it. With with their their mother's mother's head head in it. Fucking disturbing. Like, I don't think I've ever read something so I'm speechless. Like, Like, that's, that's, there's so many levels of wrong. Right. Like, I I can't, literally can't. I can't wrap my head around it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I've had to. Oh, God. I can't. can't. I've got a lot of things I could say, but we're going to be done with that. Because I'm in a bar. Now, Geraldine's murder, the details were that he, that evening, they were at the Gateway Lounge. They enjoyed an evening together, and they did leave separately. But he saw her at a gas station just after they went their separate ways, and he offered her a ride home. So they they left separately. He drove off. And remember, she didn't have a car, so she was walking. Oh, okay. And so he saw her at a gas station, and he offered to give her a ride home. In the car, they got into an argument, and Jimmy said that something in him just snapped. And he strangled her in the back seat. Yeah, he probably tried to assault her. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's probably why he snapped. Yeah. He dismembered her body and he buried her in the bottom of the chicken coop. No. Yes, at his family's farm. Are you trying to tell me something? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we we have to, and this again, like, nowhere did it say anything about this, but they wouldn't know because it was so long after Geraldine was murdered that her body was discovered. I'm sure it was just bones at that point. And, like, I've told you that chickens. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gross. Chickens are so fucking disgusting. So. uh, Yeah. Uh, Now for Lynn. um, uh, Jimmy killed her when she returned to their apartment to like finalize grabbing the last few items. He strangled her behind with a cord and he kept her body in a box in the Twin City Motor Inn for several days before dismembering her and disposing of her body. (gasps) He could give no reason for the murders. He just said that sometimes he would just snap, whether it be, you know, whether there was a cause for it or whatever, but similar to what June kind of described, like where like all he was fine for six months. He worked at her house. He was described as a great worker, a skilled laborer. And then all of a sudden one day he just like was a fucking weirdo and just like snapped. He admitted, he said, if I don't get put in prison, I will kill again. Like, yeah. I, I know what's going to happen. So this is probably for the best. Something happened right. that triggered or just cut off some wire in his yeah. brain that made him some distance. It, it, like, it's, it sounds to me like he's has this face that he puts on for everyone else. It He sounds like he's separating himself from this other version that, you know, is murdering people and getting upset. And but who knows? Who knows who the real Jimmy is? Yeah. They both could be. Yeah. Like this could just be an excuse. Right. But you have to wonder, like, if there's something psychologically. That, right. I mean, yeah. I think there definitely is in this case. Like, yeah. I don't think it's. Oh, he's batshit crazy. Yeah, there's something but, like. Something not right. Something boy ain't yeah. right. <laughs> boy ain't right. <laughs> boy ain't right. Yeah. Um, so November 17, 2000. Jimmy pled guilty to murdering, dismembering, and scattering the remains of Geraldine and Lynn. Because remember, he had already been tried for 
uh, the murder of Jenny. Oh, okay. Um, and so he was sentenced to life in prison with no option for parole. So serving out his his life sentence in the main department of corrections. So didn't even look up during sentencing. Definitely showed no remorse at all. He was like rocking around in his chair and smiling and smirking and and not doing anything. He didn't. He decided not to speak when you know given the chance. His his uh, attorney just said like he he decided to do the right thing now and he it was time for him to come home and admit to what he'd done and show police like it was like fuck no that's not why he came back because he was scared of Texas and he didn't yeah. want to be in prison in Texas yeah he came back for like to save his own butt not for anything else but yeah so he is still to this day he's alive as far as I, I couldn't find any I couldn't find no bitch or any information really other like there's been no newspaper articles nothing written about him since like 2012 I think and only even then it was only just to cite the case like I said in newspapers occasionally will like bring up like the fact that he was the first case in Maine to be tried without a body for murder but not I haven't I couldn't find anything like post 2012 so as far as I know he's an older man now yeah probably what is it 72 now living in prison in Maine hopefully rotting away hopefully he's got lots of diseases and like (laughs) disgusting hopefully he's got HPV (laughs) hopefully he has planters warts walking around with wet (laughs) Wet shoes shoes. (laughs) yeah a lot of warts unfortunately i do think prison in texas would have been a lot more i know uh of a punishment yeah especially for like you know like how prison has like the hierarchy of people like yeah. of, like like murderers of like the like, i don't know of men are are pretty like people don't really bother them but like yeah murderers of women and children yeah and, like, domestic people like wife abuse and, and, and like pedophiles, and pedophiles and, yeah. they get treated pretty shitty so, yeah like i'm sure in texas like he probably knew that he was not going to make it probably out of there. Probably wouldn't live. Yeah. yeah. So it's too bad he should have stayed there. But at the same point in time, for the family's peace of mind, it was yeah. good that they were able to get some closure. So, yes, that is Jimmy Hicks uh, of of Etna, Maine. So we have the foot state that I know you were. Did you ever find Maine in there? It's one of these three. That's, no, it's not, Kate. No, it's not. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Kate. So, like, we joke about my math skills. Kate literally, it's like her shapes. I like, have, cannot. I, I should see her picture. Dysmorphia. This is me. See, that's that's me. Oh, with the pine cones. Jesus fucking Christ! I need to take a picture of this <laughs> and be like, this is what Kate thinks. <laughs> Jesus, that's terrible. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I I could. It's like being colorblind. Oh my God, we've talked about that before. Uh, like the day that we got these stickers, and Kate was like determined to like find which. Kate, I'm telling you, these are not all of the states. You're like, go home. Yeah, like, it's three in the morning. Please go. No, I'm gonna get it. Also, she looked through the whole pack. I looked. It took me 12 seconds to find Maine. She had three not even close to Maine shaped blobs i think one of them she wants yeah <laughs> I, I have no idea no this one i think is ohio yeah oh, right you're right oh it's blue and red yep it's ohio this one i'm not sure this one might be that that one might be one of the hawaiian islands i don't know this one is not this one might be a caribbean island i don't know no idea but it's definitely not maine puerto rico jesus well that might be florida <laughs> what no <laughs> what might be florida Kate, Kate, are you serious? I just can't. <laughs> was that a joke? <laughs> no, it was my God. <laughs> Kate thinks this could be Florida. God, I can't wait to post these. Um, geez, Louise. Okay, well, we're gonna put. We got another state, and I found the sticker for it. <laughs> we actually have Maine. It's going up on the board. Another state take off. We like our map is like pretty. It, it looks good. Like we've yeah. made a lot of progress. So we got this like southeastern part of the country really failed on. I can't believe we haven't done Florida yet. Honestly, that's shocking because there's so much. To I know choose there's so from. much. Like, <laughs> we've got we've got a plethora of things that we are going to be able to do with Florida. That might yeah. be. But yeah, I mean, like we got to start knocking out some southeastern mm-hmm. states for sure. But well, I'm going. The Carolinas, uh, maybe? Yeah, I have a North Carolina one. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Please 
make sure to tell all of your friends about us, about the podcast you listen to that releases an episode sporadically. Yeah. <laughs> Once you. every six months. We surprise you. Yeah, we do. It's a surprise. It's worth the wait. Yeah, it's worth the wait. Um, but tell all your friends. Write a review because those are so fun to read. Yeah. Shoot us an email. Like us on Instagram at premeditated podcast. Shoot us an email at the premeditated podcast at gmail.com. I don't think we've gotten an email. I know from Uncle Chris, but I have to have been talking to Uncle. We, I he is gonna be very excited that we've got another episode uh coming out. So Uncle Chris, he'll just be the person that we shout out every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> Number one fan. Number one friend. Uh, but thank you guys. And as always, tell, tell your folks we says hi. You did it! That's exactly right! I'm high as a kite right now. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes! (laughs) Only the best for me! Only the best!